Coming up next, The Lookening discusses Shadowlands. That's it. Welcoming you to the bookening. No, Nathan, it's the bookening. <laughs> That's right, Brandon. It's the bookening, as named by our good friend, the great Danny M. She called it the bookening. Yep. Because this is one of the sh- rare shows where we talk about a, a movie. Mm-hmm. Now, Brandon, how would you define a movie? How would I define a movie? How would you define a movie? Well, it's uh, theater captured on film. Theater captured on film. I guess. A little bit like Riverdance. Yeah. Or, uh, yeah, exactly like Riverdance. <laughs> exactly like Riverdance. Yeah. Now, uh, I, of course, I'm your humble and obedient host over there. We've got Brandon Chastine. He's the scholar who's a baller of reading. Hey. A sea biscuit, comma, son of. Yeah. Now, Brandon, uh-huh. the lookening. We watch a film, and then we talk about it. How we do. And you know who else joins us? Uh, not Dubstep Danny. No, not Dubstep Danny. She did last time, though. She did this on the first ever lookening. Yep. Was that the first ever lookening? That was the first ever lookening. Okay. And then we had the unintentional lookening. Oh, yeah. That's true. <laughs> that. The <laughs> accidental lookening. The accidental lookening. The accidental lookening. I like that. But have we seriously not done a movie before? I mean, we, we were going to. Yeah. But then we nixed it. Oh. Yes. Oh, right. Yes. We've watched a movie together. Indeed. <laughs> Stat and stunned silence. As it, as it turns out, <laughs> we've watched several movies together. Yes, we have. We, 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 actually, we actually went and saw the Jungle Book movie, but for some reason we never did an episode on that, which is kind of weird. That, is, that weird. is weird. Yeah. I don't know what our problem was. You guys did a one-off video on Facebook about it. Oh, yeah. No one should look that up. I think that yeah, was... don't ever do that. That was dumb. I think it might actually be invisible. Yeah. Now. We Yeah. We were considering doing movie stuff via video format or something like that. Yeah, yeah. sometimes there's, uh, what like do you call it? when? content. Well, the... when you're, uh, what's the word? What's the word I'm looking for? Experiment. When you're creating something, there's hiccups along the way. When you're inventing an Growing awesome... Growing pains. Growing pains. That's exactly what I was looking for. So Warhorn Media, most of what we've done, a lot of what we've done, we're quite proud of. But over the years, you know, there have been a few false starts. Those, you can say that. Those YouTube videos. False starts. False starts. Yeah. And now... Deleted or invisible, I think. Ah. Um, probably. So hopefully, if I had to guess, you can the, try to go find. By the them. time this episode <laughs> drops, I can almost guarantee. I can almost guarantee it. That was in my. Uh, I, I had a uh, very much the, the 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 body crafted for war in those videos that people like to make fun of. So uh, I think I'm, I might be a little shamed of it in, on that score because I'm self conscious, Brandon, because of my big fat body you know you're looking good nathan oh thanks brandon you too thank you and you know who looks better than both of us well that's obvious (laughs) he's sitting right over there oh no i was talking about tom cruise oh okay (laughs) but you know who's sitting right over there is it tom cruise (laughs) no (laughs) oh it's uh it's the pastor who's a master of reading subtext in movies <laughs> subtitles <laughs> subtitle or subtitles yeah. <laughs> jacob mensel how you doing jake i'm i'm okay how are you ah, i'm doing all right i'm excited to talk about shadowlands i guess yeah oh by the way we're talking about shadowlands do they know that yet yeah you, you open that way okay well um you know what i like to do before talking about shadowlands is i like to do donor Shh. oops <laughs> 
What is going on? I don't know. I <laughs> This is one of one of those hiccups. <laughs> this is one of those false starts. Those hiccups. I accidentally clicked on a video entitled "Lily Collins and Nicholas Holt Film J.R.R. Tolkien Biopic," which we were talking about before we started recording this episode. And this robot lady started to tell us facts about the movie. Are you really supposed? We should just have her start doing the contextual biopic because I always pronounce it biopic. Biopic? Is it biopic? Am I wrong? I think it might be biopic. I've heard both things. I always say biopic. I, I said biopic, and then someone told me that they think it's biopic because it's like biography picture. Biopic. Yeah, biopic. Yeah, that sounds like what somebody who was didn't know what they were talking about. Well, that I mean, I don't know. I'd, I don't well, accuse Nathan of not knowing what he's. Well, it wasn't Nathan about. who told me this. Yeah, you can rely on this person. It wasn't Nathan that told you. Yeah. I was gonna say that that thing there could just read Wikipedia and be the contextual text. <laughs> <laughs> you could just get that robot to be yeah. the. <laughs> Tolstoy was born in 1820s. A biopic, I don't like it. It sounds like the tool of an optometrist, yeah. I think. So I'm not a fan. Let's find out. Jake, I'm you, on you on the case? Yeah. All right. Biopic or biographical movie? Biographical movie. Biopic. 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 I hear both. Yeah, kind of. Oh, that that kind of splits the difference. Everyone's right. Well, no, I'm just prepared to admit that I'm wrong, actually. Okay. Biopic. I'm prepared to allow you to admit that. Biopic. 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 Why notorious. I may have mentioned this on the bookending before about mispronouncing words, so. Just in general? Yeah. Well, they say that that's a mark of a good education. You have read widely and absorbed lots of words, and yeah. you mispronounce them. I don't yeah. know, somebody so said that. So I gave a presentation. I've mentioned that Professor B.H. Fairchild before, who I got to take that wonderful poetry class with. Your beloved professor, yes? Yeah. One of the first papers I read out loud in his class, he took me aside afterwards and he said, I liked your paper, Brandon, but it's Jung and not Jung. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, poor Brandon. Yep. (laughs) But he didn't have the heart to correct me while I was reading it. And I said his name like 10 times. Carl Jung. Jung, (laughs) Jung. So, yeah. (laughs) All right. Let's do something special for donor shout outs today. Oh, boy. I don't have an idea. Let's just let's just do something special. Brandon will shout everybody's name out in Pig Latin. Pig Latin. Yeah, it sounds like a good plan. Oh boy. <laughs> All right. <Jake's, laughs> Jake may have to help me here. <laughs> Oe Oibe. Let's start some Professor X. Professor Pay X Pay. Professor Pay X Pay. Is that right? I don't know. X A X A X A X A. Yes, you're right. Eric and Catherine, the Lovebirds. <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> Ricky A and Day, Atherin K, Et, 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 A, A, Erd Bays, or something like that. Erd Bays. <laughs> yeah, Erd Bays. <laughs> I mean, you could just do. Of Bird Lays. 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 Nathan, not me. <coughs> Brandon's over there dying. Nathan Nay, Ot Nay, Ime. Benjamin Tiberius. <laughs> Injimin Bay. <laughs> Iberius Day. Iberius Day. <laughs> Jay and Katie, who are cold <laughs> and love cheese. <laughs> Jay and Katie, who are cold and love cheese. <laughs> oh, boo. AJ in Day, ADK, Uwe. <laughs> Old K in Day, Ovalay. <laughs> Ease Che. <laughs> I don't know if that all checks out. Jake, <laughs> yeah, I, check out. I lost it, man. I have no idea. 
<laughs> oh yeah, sure. <laughs> Who Uve? Did you get the Uve? I got the Uve. Did you get the Uve? I didn't hear an Uve. Uve. I said Uwe. 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 Old K. In day. Uwe are. Uwe. Uwe are. Uwe are. Uwe are. Old K. In day. Uvele. East Che. East Che. East Hey. Uh I My beloved mother Beth Bay. My my beloved mother Beth Bay. Okay. I'm a beloved bay. Other May. Eth Bay. Eth Bay. Very, very good. Very good. Your beloved mother. Well, no, we, that's not what we call her, but she is, in fact. Yes. Wed in holy matrimony to none other than Robert. That's right. Making them Robert and Rhonda the Lovebirds. Robert Ray and Wanda Ray et a birds. What did we say? Ovalet birds. Ovalet birds. Ovalet birds. And we've got uh, the inscrutable Jenny Z. Et a inscrutable EA. <laughs> Yeah, I think so. That check out, Jake. You're, I, you're, I think I would have done scrutable nay. Scrutable nay. Scrutable nay. Are they scrutable nay? Scrutable nay. Scrutable nay. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. Whatever. Andrew and Esther, the lovebirds. What? Andrew and Esther, the Andrew and Esther, the lovebirds. Andrew a and day thir at they of a birds, eh? Of a birds, of a birds, eh? All right, folks. Well, if you play that backwards, it will say Nathan's dead. <laughs> That's a little Beatles reference for people who are young and don't know their history of things. Well, there's your donor shout outs or your owner day. How doubts outche outche if you wanted to be a donor all what you do is you go to bookening.com forward slash the patreon and you'd sign up and you'd become a donor that's all there is to it that's all there is to it you know what else people should do jake what's that nathan i think they should go on itunes you know what i think they should do there write a review for the bookening yeah good one yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Five stars. In fact, Jake will now tell you, dictate a review, which you can simply copy. And <laughs> if you do that, then you'll be golden. So you give it five stars and then you type what Jake's about to tell you. Take it away, Jake. Esbay, Oddcast, Pay, Veray. Here, hey, here, hey. Best podcast ever. Best podcast. This is the best podcast that I've ever listened to in my life, and everybody should listen to it. Jake and Nathan and Brandon are the best and the smartest ever. Period. 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 Now, should they actually just write a period there, or should they write the word P E R? They should write the word period. In parentheses. In parentheses. (laughs) (laughs) How many semicolons? Zero semicolons. Zero semicolons. Zero. We hate this. I'm just going to go ahead and say the bookening hates semicolons. Every semicolon in a book uh, counts against its uh, getting a seal of approval. Yep. Yeah, that's right. Well, to be fair, my beloved Jane probably does use semicolons. She gets a pass. She gets a pass. She's allowed to do whatever no, she wants. What, what it does is it says how awesome she is that she still gets the seal of approval despite... Despite the many, many semicolons. Yeah, yeah I'm counting like three in this paragraph. I'm oh, really? Like, yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> She can get away with it. You yeah, know, it's crazy. I'm just going to say, though. A lesser author. Oh, yeah. A lesser author. There is no reason. Like, well, James Joyce. Mm. Use one semicolon. You're, you're done. He was done. So <laughs> Done. Done. Sorry, Joyce. You're out of here, Joyce. Uh, 20th century, 21st century, there's no excuse not to use the dash. Just use the dash, folks. 
There's no reason to use a musty old 19th century feeling semicolon. That's yeah, my language feeling. Language changes. Or a comma. Sometimes, or a comma or yeah. a period and just give us shorter sentences. Yeah, give us sentence fragments for crying out loud. Just but there's no there's you no can reasons. do that now. Yeah, that's right. No reason to use a semicolon. Use a colon even if yes. you're going to like have a list or something. But I just don't think there's ever a good reason for a modern author to use a semicolon. It's pretentious, musty, old, and stupid. Ear hey, <laughs> semicolon, ear hey. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, let's talk about this movie, Shadowlands. This is a movie that we watched for some reason. Because is this month? Yeah, this is we're, this was, we're still in the same month that we talked about old C.S. Lewis's Till We Have Faces, a novel that uh, we did not care for as much as we might have due to its crummy philosophy. That's right. And general lack of taste in matters of morality and salvation and things like that that are really really important that the novel sort of completely botched but we did kind of like the first two-thirds yeah uh, we did is that an accurate enjoyable summation of our feelings on, on it was well written he was well, knew how to write the man knew how to write speaking of people that know how to do things anthony hopkins knows how to act he sure does he, he started in a little movie in 1993 the name of which was shadowlands and fun story funny story about that not really funny but very mildly interesting fact we're gonna watch two movies starring anthony hopkins as button down british guys i think we're made within like a year or two of each other that's right later this year and just a month or two in fact we'll be watching remains of the day which i think was released just before shadowlands yeah we just watched shadowlands so we did probably should have uh, talked about silence of the lambs this year then we could have gotten all of anthony hopkins most famous work from that little period of his life read the thor comic books <laughs> read some thor mm-hmm. yeah some zorro stuff some Zor- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Read, read the novelization of the mark of zorro yeah, yeah. or whatever that movie was called was mask the mask of zorro that's right so we watched the shadowland hearts movie. in atlantis what's that wasn't he in hearts in atlantis? yeah yeah we could have read some <laughs> stephen king's hearts in atlantis uh we should could have read the i don't know what else anthony hopkins we meet joe black we could have read the back of that vhs and then Watch them no. meet Joe. Well, no. No. <laughs> no just, I draw the line just, there. Draw the line. <laughs> but it's like, we don't even joke about watching yeah. Meet Joe Black. Uh, okay, so Shadowlands, it's a movie that we watched. It came out in 1993. It's directed by Richard Attenborough. He's the guy that I think most kids of our generation know him as John Hammond in The Great Jurassic Park and right. the sequel, The Lost World. But he was quite a prestigious filmmaker, most famous for Gandhi. He also did a film of Charlie Chaplin starring the great Robert Downey Jay. I'd like to do those prestige kind of awardy kind of movies. Tell us about Shadowlands, Jake. What is Shadowlands about? Shadowlands is about the romance between C.S. Lewis and Joy Davidson or Joy Gresham. It's really just a romance. Yeah. That's really what it is. It's so well done. As I was watching it, I was like, this is really well written and acted, but it's basically one step up from, or a couple steps up from a Hallmark movie. I mean. Yeah, I, I likened it to Downton Abbey. It's sort mm-hmm. of like a, just a slightly more sophisticated romance, soap opera-y type thing. It's got good British acting and nice dialogue and. Yeah, I mean, it's better than a Hallmark movie. It's I wouldn't watch most Hallmark movies, but I watched this, and I, I, I dare say I enjoyed it. Not to it's it's a good romance if you're gonna sit down with your with your husband or your wife and watch a nice little romance and shed a little tear yeah. or two. I watched a, it with my wife. A, a, a three hanky movie. Mm-hmm. I, I'd say it's about a one hanky movie. If I was gonna rate it yeah. in, in hankies, it's you know I think one hanky would be required for this movie. Yeah, it's pretty unremarkable for me to admit to crying in a, in a movie. comes pretty easy to me. I didn't really cry so much watching this one. I teared up at times. The hardest, the most difficult part was when you've got Hopkins who plays, does such a good job being a, just an 
awesome dignified Brit. Mm. And then he starts to ugly cry on camera. Yeah, that was fantastic. And with the boy. He does, yeah, with, with the boy. The, yeah. And he does yeah. a great job. And yeah, he uh, does. it's really hard to see see somebody who, who who has projected that kind of dignity and sort of button down British respectability, like Yeah, like to see him actually, you know, go from being strong for the for the boy to losing it. To just weeping his eyes out. Well, spoiler, folks, there's going to be spoilers. If you have a really figured... good kind of laugh cry, kind of. That's what it sounded like. Yeah. yeah it, which is, a, a, I think, a, a pretty subtle and realistic kind of, it was well done. Well, and also, you'd never see that kind of crying in a movie. It's a mark, it's a mark of how great and how, how humble in his way Anthony Hopkins is to be able to do something like that. Because most actors, when they cry, they look beautiful in this little stream of tear you know comes down their cheek and they they look sort of iridescent and they glow and they they they, they don't no, get all got, snotty yeah. and sniffly we and got we got snotty <laughs> yeah Kinda. he he gave us a full-on ugly cry and they did a good job with camera angles and with placement of the kid and of arms to protect some of his dignity still mm-hmm. but it was still a full-on ugly cry right it was pretty great yeah that might be the the moment of the movie. Well, why would Anthony Hopkins be crying in this movie, guys? What happens? Spoiler alert! <laughs> if you haven't figured out, seventy odd episodes in, we do spoilers on the book. <laughs> or of if Hope. you know nothing about <laughs> the know, story of C.S. Lewis, yeah. yeah. What what happens in Shadowlands, Brandon? What is this uh, this sordid tale? Well, he uh, runs an onion factory. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> all the onions blow up. <laughs> <laughs> it just goes to ugly uncontrollable crying. ugly crying. <laughs> 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 there, oh, oh my onions! <laughs> 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 He's not actually in practice. Proximity of the onions. No, he's just so he's sad. Just, so sad. <laughs> the onions are gone. <laughs> <laughs> he's no camp Yeah, he meets this Bronx woman. Is she from the Bronx? Is she Bronx or, or Brooklyn? Bro- she may be Brooklyn. What's the difference? I don't know. She's a New York Jew. She's, she's a New York. She's a New York Jew. Jew, and she has an accent that she definitely <laughs> rubs in your face the whole time. She's talking yeah. like this, and she's real tough, and she's from America, and That's she right. talks. You got the pizza pie. Yeah, she's got your pizza pie. <laughs> So she starts this uh, letter relationship with Lewis and wants to come and meet him, find out that she's actually in a troubled relationship with her husband, divorces him, falls in love with C.S. Lewis, makes him a better man, Mm -hmm. and then she dies from cancer. (laughs) (laughs) Like within just a few years. Right. Which would be pretty corny if it wasn't basically true. No, it's very true. Mm -hmm. He married her and she died within four years of their marriage. And then he died three years later. So that's that. That's that. <laughs> Pretty much all he, there is to say. In, in the meantime, he wrote Till We Have Faces and based Orwell on Joy. Yeah. If you want his portrait of Joy. That's right mm. there. Kind of a hard. Hard, bitter kind of. <laughs> hard, bitter woman who then has to see herself in the way that Lewis thought repentance looked. Which if you wanted to read the book about this, it's not surprised by Joy. As I often thought before I read Joy, it was surprised by Joy. I was like, oh, that must be about his wife, Joy. But surprised by Joy, it turns out, is a book about his conversion, basically. Yeah, the book about yeah. this is the one C.S. Lewis book I don't own. Which is A Grief Observed. A Grief Observed. I, as soon as I had done watching the, the movie, I, I didn't know if I had it or not. But I looked at home and I looked at my bookshelves at the church and I couldn't find it. I was surprised. So you can imagine with Lewis, it can sometimes be pretty heretical. So. Yeah. I can. I was imagining it being blasphemous in places. Yeah, even it definitely is blasphemous in places. Well, yeah. he's a good observer of his own soul. I mean, that's well. Lewis has always been my, good at well, that. Well, my understanding is that he basically edited together his journal entries from the time when he was walking through cancer and then his grief immediately after. 
Yeah. So you've like, read it, Brandon? I have read it. What yeah. is it? Tell us about it. What is it? Well, it's exactly pretty much exactly what Jake just said. Yeah. yeah. He just observes his grief as it develops and changes. And it's like a diary entry, basically, of his progression through grief. And he so. published it anonymously. Yeah. And it's been long enough that I don't quite remember the conclusions he comes to, unfortunately. Right. So I can't speak to the end. I do know that I believe, and I could be totally wrong here, that a grief observed is what solidified his relationship with T.S. Eliot, who at the time was the head of the Faber-Faber house. Hmm. C.S. Lewis and T.S. Eliot kind of had a publishing editing relationship after that. That's interesting. Interesting little tidbit of literary history there. There you go. Yeah. Because T.S. Eliot at that time was going through his conversion. Well, had already gone through his conversion and was writing his major Christian works. So, hmm. so see, would T.S. Eliot have been older and on his way out at the that time, like C.S. Lewis was? Fairly or? similar in ages. Yeah, so. what I would kind of think. But C.S. Lewis died pretty young, like in his 60s, right? Yeah. It'd she, be fun to one day do uh, T.S. Eliot, one of his plays. Yeah, we will. We will. So. You're four, maybe. True story, the name of your boys. Both after T.S. Eliot and C.S. Lewis, yeah. Eliot and Jack. Eliot and Jack. That's right. There you go. Unintentional, but they did. <laughs> there it is. You've now trashed one of the books on the booking that was written by a yeah. man that your son was named after. That's right. Sorry, Jack. <laughs> Jack Bear. <laughs> well, Jack was partly named after C.S. Lewis. He's also named after, I love, like, the Jack characters from fairy tales. Oh, I thought you were going to so, say Lost. I just assumed. Jack is always, like, the bold, plucky. Mm-hmm. If you know Jack, hero. he's kind of the small, yeah. bold, oh, yeah. plucky yeah. hero. So. Jack's, pl- Jack's got pluck, man. Yeah. He was a doctor. So, he had those tattoos. It's funny how kids he sometimes live up to, to their names. <laughs> he fell in love with Kate. No, he didn't. Did Jack end up with Kate? Did so, Sawyer ended up with that lady from the 1970s, right? I don't know. Well, they ended up in the 1970s together, but yeah. Sawyer ended up with a smoke monster, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, they were paired off. I think Jack and Kate were in love in the in, in purgatory or whatever in that little chapel. And I yeah, think, and uh, Sawyer ended up with uh, the blonde from the past. She wasn't from the past, no. But he, but they met in the past. They both maybe got they did to the meet. Past. They maybe got transported to the past together. It's been too long. It's been they too definitely long. It's they been definitely, too long. <laughs> they definitely loved each other in the past, right. in the seventies together, right? But. Uh, she worked for the Wayland Corporation, didn't she? Yeah, she's she's the OB. I thought that she's the OB. She's the OB specialist who was brought this? to the island. She only comes in in like season four or something. I keep like wanting to call her Claire, but Claire's the pregnant chick. And she's that Charlie girl. loves. Yeah, one of the best relationships on the store. Yeah. Charlie and Claire. I don't even remember Claire. Is Claire Claire's the, the pregnant chick? Is she the like dumb rich chick? No. No, that's Shannon. Okay, and who does Shannon end up with? Does she end up with Claire's Saeed the one that or whatever? Shannon and Saeed have a thing, and then Shannon dies. But everybody pairs up in purgatory, don't they? Well, maybe Shannon and Saeed get back together in purgatory. I don't know. That's my name everybody of my alt-rock pay- album, by the way. Everyone pairs up in purgatory <laughs> coming out, out this, this summer. No, you were asking, and I was clarifying. Okay, the, and this all came out of... <laughs> the OB chick. She's an OB, right. and she's brought to the island by Ben because... Women can't give birth on the island. Oh, that's right. And she does like... But Ben is working for Wayland, right? What's Wayland? Isn't there a Wayland Corporation? No. That's from Alien. Shoot, that's from Alien. <laughs> What's the name of the evil corporation that's trying to exploit the island? I forget. Ocean so, Flight 364. With, with the guy named Widmore. Widmore, yeah, it's Widmore. Penny. Pity? No, Penny. not Penny. Penny is Bernard's girl. Or not Bernard. Bernard's the crazy guy. Scottish in the guy. Scottish dude. Yeah, Desmond. Desmond, Desmond yeah. <laughs> Some yeah. Scottish name. <laughs> Not Penny's boat, Penny Widmore. Yeah. Yeah. Charlie with the yeah. hand. Yeah. Not 
not Penny's boat. <laughs> so this is actually now the Lost Cast. <laughs> no, no, no. It could have been a long time ago. Yeah. I was first aware of podcasts because a friend of mine from high school started a Lost Cast, which was quite po- quite popular. Actually, one of the the Lost Casts. Like this was before. What's that show that made podcasts a thing for people that didn't listen to podcasts? Serial. This was before Serial. This was when mostly nerds listened to podcasts, and it wasn't a mainstream thing. She had a Lost Cast, which was all the rage for a couple of years, and that was the first I heard about podcasts. Huh. So me and Lost and podcasts, we go back a long time together. Look at that. Yep. Some booking lore. Just like Sawyer and Penny. Is that what we decided on? No, we can't remember her name. And not C.S. Lewis and Joy because their relationship was very short-lived. <laughs> <laughs> Brendan brings it back. All right, Jake's looking up the name of the blonde. Dr. Juliet Burke. Elizabeth Mitchell, guys. She plays Mrs. Claus. Oh, she's like Tim Allen's wife? Yeah. Poor Juliet. Yeah. Well, speaking of poor Juliet. Poor Joy, poor who Joy. died of cancer. Speaking of poor people with J names, you've got Joy. Uh, she died of cancer in this history yeah. of things that happened. Also in the movie Shadowlands. Oh, hey, the airplane's going over. Brandon, what baggage did you bring to Shadowlands, the movie? I'd seen this movie. Actually, somebody gave us a copy a long time ago, but my wife says we loaned it to somebody. She doesn't remember who, and they never gave it back, apparently. Oh, I'm so sorry. But I only discovered that because I had told you both that I had a copy of the movie. Yeah, you were going to bring one to church. But, hey, it didn't work out because somebody, if somebody listening to this podcast has my copy of Shadowlands, keep it. <laughs> Jake, what baggage did you bring to this a wonderful film, Shadowlands? I didn't know anything about the movie. I hadn't seen it before. I knew the, the basics of the story. Was expecting good things because Anthony Hopkins is pretty good. And it happens amazing. I had seen it as a kid at some point. I think we watched it just because it had C.S. Lewis. You know, it's like a C.S. Lewis movie, so why not? And I think we all enjoyed it as a family. And then I had not watched it for a good 15 years or something. And I watched it again, and I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. So, yeah. Yeah. I bet Amazon made a surprising amount of money off of that movie yeah, last right. time. <laughs> <laughs> why are we getting <laughs> 18 this. bucks on Shadowlands today? Well... Hey, bang, bang, Brandon, contextual Texan. Contextual Texan. Oh, I wasn't ready for this. Uh, Richard Attenborough (laughs) was a uh, brother of John Attenborough. Isn't he a brother of David Attenborough, the the guy that does the planet earth That's narration and all that yeah, yeah, and john yeah. attenborough apparently as well and who's john david attenborough? attenborough is famous for the yeah but and that's who cares now, brandon you don't have to do a whole context but you can't tell us what this movie got we're wrong. shooting some of the let's shoot some misconceptions let's shoot down some misconceptions yeah, yeah. let's do it Mis- shooting the misconceptions with brandon <laughs> <laughs> so there's a character in this movie forget his name chris christopher is the snobby guy that yeah. she tells off like are you dumb or are you just stupid or she has a good put down for him <laughs> yeah because he says something i can't about, tell if you're i'm sorry i don't understand the culture around here i can't tell whether you're uh, being intentionally trying to rude be intensive or, or you're just stupid right yeah it was to make you realize that she was witty and sharp mm-hmm. and she could hold her own with yeah these guys and therefore this is why c.s lewis would fall in love with her because he liked to fight mm-hmm. and here she was fighting right Trying his best to make it work, which was probably the weakest part of the movie, is trying to make you re- you understand why he fell in love with her. Yeah. In oh particular. yeah. Yeah. I, it I didn't buy that at all. Actually. Yeah. I didn't. Yeah. I, I thought that was unconvinced. But that aside, 
there are some big problems, and the biggest problems with the movie are the inkling, the portrayal of the inklings. I didn't even realize it was the inklings. Like I saw yeah, them I sitting in a circle, and I was like, "Gee, is that the inklings?" And then those well, guys acted like a bunch pub. of tools, and I was like, and then, oh, then, "They must yeah, not be the inklings." None of them have the right names. Right? Yeah, they all go to the pub, but I th- guess maybe they're hiding the names because they didn't get the rights to the names. Because <laughs> I know Just that trying to CS... avoid lawsuits. Or... Yeah, <laughs> C.S. Lewis's estate okayed this movie, right? R- R- I would assume they would have but to. But Tolkien's yeah. estate definitely didn't because he's supposed to be the jerk. Christopher the jerk. Christopher, is- which if you know anything about Tolkien, he was a devout Catholic. He was responsible for C.S. Lewis's conversion. He didn't like C.S. Lewis's fiction, but they were friendly and they're fighting about it. I can see how there might be a, been a little bit of the relationship with Christopher. And the, like, like my understanding is that Tolkien was pretty prim and proper and oftentimes disgusted by C.S. Lewis. And just hold, C.S. Lewis's whole deal, his, his vulgar children's fiction, all that. So... Yeah. You could, I could see actually a case for playing Tolkien kind of like they played Christopher, but Christopher is such a. But they make him to be an atheist. Yeah, he's, yeah, it doesn't work. So I didn't, I didn't work at all. I didn't see that as Tolkien. Yeah. And Tolkien may have been prim and proper, but he was also the guy who wrote The Lord of the Rings. He did write The Lord of the Rings. And The Hobbit, and he smoked a pipe. And I just don't think he would have been Christopher. I think that was completely inaccurate. Right. And then with the Inklings, so one of the themes of the movie is that C.S. Lewis is a fighter, Mm. but he's always won his fights Mm -hmm. in the past. And this is something Joy keeps telling him. Since when's the last time you lost a fight? Well, she's not Australian, I guess. But <laughs> when's the last time you lost a fight? Hi there, Governor. <laughs> so that's the big question of the movie: is when has C.S. Lewis ever lost a fight? And mm. so he surrounds himself. There's a scene, a climactic scene, where she confronts him about the fact that she's figured him out. He surrounds himself with people so he can win. So he has people that are weaker than him, people that aren't as intelligent as him, and he can win. And that's actually not true at all. If you know anything, or go back and listen to our C.S. Lewis episode, C.S. Lewis surrounded himself by men he was intimidated by. He was intimidated by Owen Barfield and Charles Williams. He would not have seen himself maybe as even equals to them, right? even though his fame has outlasted theirs. Well, yeah, a lot so- of the things that we don't like about C.S. Lewis are times when he's emulating another man's style or, or trying to, when he gets really excited about something that he loves and then he just goes whole hog and forgets himself. I mean, that's why that hideous strength is so different than the other two books. And yes, that's, yeah, it's a Charles is, Williams yeah. novel. C.S. Lewis is pretty infamous for doing exactly what you're describing. Yeah. And so he was made fun of. He was, that, Definitely the scenes where people make fun of him for Writing the Chronicles of Narnia yeah. would have been true. I don't know if he would have went on and on about the magic of it. Like, yeah, that was kind of I lame. don't think he grabbed onto the Disney fairy tale princess aspect of it. But um, he would have definitely talked about myth and allegory and stuff like that. Anyways, there are a lot of inaccuracies there because they're playing up to the... They have to use those scenes to build up the movie's major conceit that C.S. Lewis was this guy who liked a good intellectual fight, but he liked to only be in fights he could win and protect himself from any real relationship and emotion. Mm-hmm. It would be deep and painful. So it, c- it continually goes back to these speeches he's created. He's where he talks delivering about, over and over and over again yeah, to suffering congregations the of old women. megaphone of the world or what? It's a famous chunk from yeah. mere Christianity. <laughs> but it's the thing that he says over and over mm-hmm. again to people, that he himself has closed himself off from ever having to experience it. Pain is God's megaphone to rouse a yeah. something world is the quote. Yeah. That, um, and so Joy sees through this. Right. He falls in love with her and then she tells him, hey, buddy, the happiness that's here is part of the pain that you're going to have. Get over it. This is what you've been preaching the whole time. It's time to take your what you've said seriously. Then they make love in an old shack in the rain in, the, in, a, in a magical meadow. That's right. The one thing that we always wanted to see in a... <laughs> well, you don't have to see it. I, I'm making it sound worse than it actually is. It's, I mean, you the, see it's a very chaste movie. Yeah. Actually, the I didn't buy that he would be as sexually naive, but 
I liked, the, I thought that was a cute little scene where she's like, you just do your same routine as you always do. And when you get under the covers, I'll be waiting for you. So I don't know. I thought that was kind of cute. Yeah. Yes. And Brendan and Jake don't agree. They hated that scene. No, it was very cute. Um, <laughs> it's adorable. Yeah. Um, so that's it. I mean, it's the movie really, that's kind of all it is. Yeah. Well, there's, uh, in terms of other major historical, they condensed the kids. She had two kids. They made them into one. Played by Timmy from Jurassic Park. Mm-hmm. That's right. He had a brother who they just completely wrote out of the story because he ended up a bad egg, right? Yeah. Douglas is the one. Douglas Gresham is the one who... He controlled the estate. Yeah. Right? Like The other one... Well, and he the, he's stuck around and he became a Christian. The other one... Converted back to Judaism? While, while still in C.S. Lewis's house. Yeah. And Lewis had to go out of his way to try to always have kosher food and stuff huh. for him. And I mean, It wasn't uh, a good relationship. And they were... The brothers were estranged for their adult lives and... Hmm. The movie also suffers from this general haze we have about anything that's British. Mm-hmm. And so, and anything especially that has to do with Oxford, we right. kind of prettify it. Chariots of Fire was a lot like this as well. We give it this haze of like... Just put in a couple boy choirs. Some and, boy choirs. Yeah, it's like this beautiful world that you should really want to be a part of. And that's... I sort of wanted to forgive the movie for that because it seems like C.S. Lewis bought into that idea. I think Although, wouldn't he have actually been at Cambridge by... I think that actually might be another... Like, where does... I don't know exactly what the trajectory of his career, but it definitely wasn't 100% Oxford, was yeah, it? No, it wasn't. So... I don't know. And so, yeah. I mean, what, I mean, what does she say about the movie? It's... Well, I, I thought we were going to have... The reason we watched this movie is so we could have a discussion about it on the booking or the looking, but... I found myself as I was watching it thinking, what are we going to talk about? Because it's not like you really, and it's a good movie. I recommend that people watch it if they if they want to watch a one hanky kind of really well-written little tearjerker of a movie. It's good, but you don't really come away with any real insight into C.S. Lewis or um, joy. joy or The most interesting thing is that he would have taught classes of four or five students in his office. I liked that when I saw that before. It really got me thinking about recitation and that mm-hmm. whole model. That's how I really, really, for a long time, wanted to teach that way. Teach that kind of class? That would have been my ideal. So. In, ter- in terms of insight into Lewis and Oxford, that's the most interesting it was fascinating thing that I, I saw. Yeah. You can imagine how amazing it would have been to have been part of one, of one of those classrooms. Oh, yeah. Those were fun scenes. And maybe there's a little... I liked his relationship with the kid, the the student. Uh, Whistler. Whistler or whatever. The relationship with his brother was nice, too. His brother was yeah. really well done. That might actually be the most you can learn about C.S. Lewis is that seems like a pretty accurate representation of his weird old bachelor lifestyle and his relationship with his brother and yeah. how they would have been. Oh. Thanks for listening, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, guys. Is there anything else to talk about in this movie? Anthony Hopkins is fantastic. It might, it might be one of his best movies. Movie. He's yeah. great. He's great. If you want to just see a master class in acting, and I really love Anthony Hopkins as an actor. I've always enjoyed his performances, but I've also enjoyed his philosophy. He's got this very British philosophy of acting, which is different than the American method acting that came in with, um, what's the streetcar name desire guy? Uh, Marlon, Godfather. Brando. Marlon Brando. That that whole idea that came around in the in middle the middle century uh, in acting in Hollywood in America, the idea that you have to inhabit the character. You know, like we hear about Daniel Day-Lewis or Jared Leto or these guys, like they get into their character. Everyone has to call him the character's name. They try and think and feel like the character would feel the Brits 
in general, great Shakespearean actors, they don't work from the inside out like that. They work from the outside in. They change, you know, they do a lot of costumes. If you watch someone like Ian McKellen, for example, Ian McKellen isn't inhabiting and feeling his characters. He's adopting mannerisms and he's just bringing his great voice and And presence, his presence to the role. I really have a respect for that kind of acting because it seems much more humble and less pretentious. And if you see what Anthony Hopkins is doing in this movie, he's just not doing a lot. He's just simply playing the scenes and well it you almost get a little commentary on it in one of the scenes of lewis teaching Mm -hmm. where he's talking about aristotle and yes how aristotle says forget psychology and the motive it's all contained in the plot right what's important is isn't why is he sleeping but what's he going to do next and that's sort of like it's commentary on the style of acting itself it's He's not overly concerned about conveying the inner life of the psychology. He's concerned mm-hmm. about what does the person do? What's he doing and doing yeah. it in a way that it carries the uh, conveys the dignity and the gravitas of the man that you're you're trying to see portrayed. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, I think <laughs> which is nice because in a lot of the modern psychological realism we get tripped up over what people are thinking mm-hmm. as opposed to what they're actually doing. Mm-hmm. And so we those kind of get muddied. But with this, you do, he gets a lot of, he has fears that trip him up and stuff. But in the end, he decides to take care of Joy and this boy. Mm -hmm. He marries her. He mans up, gets through her cancer with her. She dies. He adopts her son. And so if you watch those actions of C.S. Lewis, the movie is kind of teaching you what to think of him, which is he was a good man. Mm -hmm. Yep. When it comes down to it, he was a man who was upright and did what was good. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I forgot about that's a good, that's a good moment to go back and actually think about the acting, but also what the movie's trying to say. Right. That actually kind of helps me because I think it makes me like the movie a little bit more. Yeah. It was a really well-constructed movie. I understand it's written by a playwright. I don't know what else he did or if any of it's... Yeah. But you can see that throughout, like, the brother when he says, I'll take you up on that drink Mm -hmm. and then puts the umbrella over her head. If you watch the actions of the characters, it can kind of show you who they are. Uh, The scene with Douglas by his mom's bed and brother comes in and says, have you ever had a toasted... Tea biscuit or whatever. It has to be covered in butter. It has to be smothered and it has to be running down your fingers. And let's go. How about we go get one? It's all about the thing that they're, the words he's saying and the thing he's going to do. That's what communicates that uh, this is a sweet guy who cares, is thoughtful. I don't know who played Morney, but what a fantastic, subtle, exactly what you're talking about. We don't ever get inside Warney's head, and we get the impression if we did, there wouldn't be much there. But we understand that his affection for He's a good man. Douglas grows and that he accepts this yeah. family without ever seeing a scene of like, He's, you know, yeah. the camera zooms in on be, him as right. his face softens. There's nothing like that. But you track it through the movie to the point where when he yells at Jack that he needs to talk to Douglas, it plays like it makes right. sense. Like Warney actually does care that much at that point. But you never saw, they never had to put a button on it or tell oh, tell you. Yeah, the, I mean, I, I think that's sort of in part what I was getting at a little bit with calling it Downton Abbey. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's more subtle and sophisticated than Downton Abbey, but like what Downton Abbey is to a stupid soap opera right? Yeah. in terms of subtlety. I'm not saying it's especially subtle, but relative to the, the soap opera right. that it... <laughs> It basically is. That's what this movie is to a lot of romances that you would expect to see. That's nice. It's nice. It's just very, it's very British. It's very understated. It's very subtle. And it's then, I guess, understandable why the one character they get wrong is the American. Absolutely. 
They try to do some of the actions with her, but really you don't get anything that sticks. So she has the part where she reads the poem and it's a fine poem. Mm -hmm. It's a nice thought that's happening. The clean snow is the one nice thing falling from the sky that these soldiers get. As far as a poetic image goes, that's a nice image. Yeah. That's really all we ever get to make us like her. Mm -hmm. And I don't really buy that C.S. Lewis was so shallow that that's the only thing that would make him fall in love with this woman. Well, it's too bad that the movie, and this is maybe a little snobby of me, but it's too bad the movie doesn't just give you more of C.S. Lewis's philosophy. I think the romance would actually play better if we had that because you've got to get the idea that this is a meeting of minds, that if there's eroticism, if there's love, it's it's not physical attraction, it's mental and spiritual attraction. It's really clear that that's what they're telling you. Right. But I just don't ever see a reason to believe it from joy. I just can't believe that this complex, uh, subtle, dignified, brilliant character that we're getting from Anthony Hopkins would ever have any interest in this flat, two-dimensional... <laughs> yeah, just because she shocks obnoxious, him Obnoxious. Yeah. yeah, because she happens to be loud and obnoxious. Like, Yeah, and she confronts him about, and he doesn't know what to expect from her. I think I liked I her a little bit better than you guys. I, I thought her first scene was pretty... <laughs> Bad, like she comes in. I'm not sure I don't like her. I'm just not convinced. Well, it reminded me of what, you know, I I was able for a moment to step back and even thinking about, you know, we just for Sound of Sanity did Mary Poppins, Mm -hmm. right? And to think of the horrible caricatures that we do and how we go in a lot of especially older American movies, if if the if the Brit or the Chinaman or the right. and that's what we would call them back, you know, the the Brit or the Chinaman or the right. Aussie or the whoever, you know, they'd have this horrible over the top cliched introduction. I say a spot of tea. You <laughs> yeah, know, yeah something really one. like Oh hey, it's a British guy. <laughs> <laughs> she was the American Here's version a of that. Bri- yeah, yeah, she was like the American version of that when she came out. Here's hey, the crass. I'm doing an accent here. I'm brash and bold and I'm from I'm America. I'm going to interrupt here. the whole tea shop cuz I'm stupid. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> like all Americans are, you know. That was dumb. That that scene was dumb. She grew on me. It was me. kind of cruel even, I thought. You know, I, I you finally there's, felt there's feel a little well bit of the, animus toward when the British too much, too much yeah. animus. I'm okay with a little bit of animus, but like the know. way they must feel seeing Dick Van Dyke do a Cockney is how yeah. we feel when we see. Oh, well, here's great. That's how they see us, right? This is how you <laughs> see, we're brash cowboys, and we interrupt. And they, and we're but rude then and, the, you know, it was another ham-fisted thing. We're not all cowboys, you know, in yeah. America. <laughs> <laughs> is that supposed to? Be, Yeah, I didn't care for that. I I thought uh, she did a good job as far as, I mean, I thought she was quite... I don't even actually know. Is she British? No, I don't think Deborah Winger is. I I agree with you that the acting wasn't bad. I think the problem had more to do with the writing. Yeah. I just don't think that... We needed to understand why she was his intellectual and spiritual equal, and we never... Why did he fall in love with her? We never really got it. Yeah. He had to have had other people in his life that were like that. Obviously, Tolkien was kind of like that, according to the movie. And yet he didn't fall in love with Tolkien. Yeah, she's an American. She's an American accent. So I don't don't buy it that But I think our point stands because they made her do a ridiculous... Brooklyn accent, which I'm going to go ahead and yeah. assume is not her yeah. accent. And I'm so, sorry, but what were you saying? Were you saying right? Yeah. Like I said, she's from Cleveland. She's from Cleveland. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. I was just unconvinced by the writing as far as developing that relationship. They just needed to give us more. Everything that we had from C.S. I didn't feel like the writer really understood C.S. Lewis's point of view. Right. No. I think that they gave us a lot of things they read in a great quotes book. Mm-hmm. <laughs> to, to be fair, what the writer did know was that he had a Anthony Hopkins. Yeah. 
for as enjoyable of a movie as it was, you still do come away thinking, wow, Anthony Hopkins is a pretty great guy. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> or he can play a really great guy in a movie. It'd be yeah. interesting that we were talking to Solzer from our other podcast this morning, and he was saying he's seen the other version, which stars Joss Ackland as C.S. Lewis with Joss Ackland. I want to say he's the guy that he's Andre from Hunt for Red October. I want to say Andre, you lost another submarine. He's the Russian guy, and that from that. There's another version of this movie. It's the one that it that version's free on Amazon Prime. <laughs> oh, Joss. I think it's called Into the Shadowlands or something like okay. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Joss Ackland is. Uh, if you ever saw Lethal Weapon two, he's the bad guy in that. Danny Glover. He says diplomatic immunity, and then Danny Glover shoots him in the head and says, "Just got revoked." He's that guy. Yep. Um, He's also the guy in Hunt for Red October that says, I'm afraid we've... And then the guy says, oh, Andre, you've lost another submarine. It's that guy. So oh, yeah. I, that guy would actually probably be somebody that you'd, you wouldn't want... You'd, after you watch the movie, you'd be like, yeah, C.S. Lewis was a pretty good guy instead of Anthony Hopkins was a pretty good guy. <laughs> <laughs> he could disappear into the role. And also he's kind of fat and ugly, whereas Anthony Hopkins is quite stately and handsome. Yeah. I don't know. Anthony Hopkins was still pretty great in this movie. I don't think I'd have it any other way. <laughs> No, I wouldn't either. He is what I think of C.S. Lewis. So yeah, I like to think that C.S. Lewis was like that. I like to think that he was funny and a little bit mean in his well, classes and stuff. I mean, that was yeah. I'd like to, I'd like to think he was that kind of teacher who quotable book C.S. Lewis. Yes, yes, yes. Reads like that, Anthony Hopkins, yeah. which is where I do think that this person who wrote the book, you never really get a whole lot of. C.S. Lewis is deeper thinking. This person never really engaged with it. You get the Chronicles of Narnia. You get a vague reference to... It's not really even explicitly Christian in the movie, is it? No. Does, does he ever... We know that C.S. Lewis is a Christian. We know he says his prayers. We know... Yeah. Like if somebody just watched at that churches movie... churches or gives... <laughs> delivers speeches at churches. Right. But it's very shallow. Yeah, we're not. The whole philosophy of the movie is very shallow. Right. And so the love is very shallow too. Yeah. So whatever. It's still good. Anthony Hopkins makes it worth watching, but it is shallow. Watching it this time, I did have a little bit of that feeling that I sometimes get when I'm watching a movie like that where I'm just like, why am I watching this? I It's effectively jerking tears from me, but I wanted to watch them fall in love for the sole purpose of her dying. And like, you know, I have enough misery in my own life. Why should I? I kind of had that. Mm -hmm. It didn't really provide any greater insight into human nature or any kind of... There wasn't into a literary hero or... Yeah, there wasn't... I wasn't getting much out of it besides my tears being jerked effectively and by some good actors with some pretty cinematography and some dialogue that's a step up from a lot of dialogue in those kinds of movies. So it was nice. I mean, it was better than a Nicholas Sparks movie for crying out loud. Oh, yeah. Walk to Remember. A Walk to Remember, The Notebook <laughs> or something like that. You got to see how the pain now was part of the happiness. Thing. Yes, yes. <laughs> Oh, brother. Yeah, I mean, she was kind of one of those perfect movie character women who just like shows up to teach the hero that he needs to be more of a free spirit and kind and of break does. him out of his, his stupor and then she can die. <laughs> yeah. I'm not a feminist. Break as... down his walls and add some emotional depth to that shallow, stupid man. Right. Yeah. People will know that I'm not a feminist, but th that kind of a movie character does bug me a little bit because it really is... We're not seeing the complete Joy Davidson. We're just seeing the spunky female thing that's going to come and do something for you as a man, which is, I don't know. Yeah. I guess that's maybe how C.S. Lewis would have thought of her, but whatever. It was a good movie. Should people watch Shadowlands? Sure. Yeah. We got a shirt. I mean, and a, yeah. I don't think I'll ever watch it again. 
I don't know that if the, I didn't have an interest in C.S. Lewis or just a respect and a delight in watching Anthony Hopkins be awesome, if I would ever watch it once. So it's kind of my feeling about it. Yeah, I think I agree with you, but I do have those two things. And therefore, I'm very glad that I watched it once. Like, it's kind of fun to watch a little movie about C.S. Lewis. And Anthony Hopkins is amazing. He's such a good actor. By the way. Yeah, I have both of those, too. I'm glad I watched it once. Apparently, Deborah Winger, doing more of her American-style acting, had to get into her character. So she wanted a lot of rehearsals, which Anthony Hopkins famously hates because he just memorizes his lines and he wants to just say them and then go home, which, again, I respect. But Richard Attenborough would would act with her like he would do all the rehearsals and then Anthony Hopkins (coughs) would show up and just do the one he would, only do, one he would do the final rehearsal i think and then he would do the do the actual takes but there's a lot of stories in hollywood of how you make two actors work together when they have different cooking speeds like that like one of them's gonna be really great in the first take but the other one needs 20 takes before they're gonna be great like how do you make that work it's one of those problems that directors have to be be able to solve the one actor that comes out fresh and hot out of the gate and then fades and gets bored and right loses his interest and the other one who has to work up to it yeah anthony hopkins is the kind of guy that he's memorized his lines he's going to say them he's going to be brilliant and if he has to do it more than a couple times he's going to feel like it's mechanical and he's not gonna he's just gonna lose interest and be irritated deborah winger she's gonna want to like build up to it and get into it and find her emotional center and everything so yeah it's kind of interesting Brandon's shaking his head. That's how we do the booketing. That's how we do the booketing. Yeah. <laughs> I'll just have to guess which ones are which. It, well, folks, Brandon's not lying. We all have different cooking speeds. As your humble and obedient host, that I'd be lying if I said that didn't go through my head. Went and, through my head too. Yeah. So yeah. Should they watch Shadowlands, Brandon? Why not? It's like three <laughs> bucks on Amazon. <laughs> Why not? It's three <laughs> bucks on Amazon. It's a good movie. It's a wholesome movie. There's nothing. Yeah, you could. You got the fur. That one guy. It's wholesome. Never mind. <laughs> Apparently in Brandon's mind, it wasn't wholesome. I have no idea what he's uh, talking about. But it's an illusion. To... I'll tell you off, Mike. Okay, yeah. When I'm older, perhaps. Yeah, I'll so tell you when you're older. Yeah, it's a subtle illusion, but right. it's pretty nasty. And it comes from later critics of C.S. Lewis and nothing that people were actually saying at the time. Okay, well, there you go. How about C.S. Lewis himself? Should we pull back a little bit from where we were? Because of this movie? No, it was just, we've had some time to think about it. This movie's made you think about it. And from Till We Have Faces... <laughs> Like uh, the absolute hatred we had for him at the the end of that thing. I do not want to pull back. I will pull back and say, I think at the end of that episode, I said something like, reading this has shaken my faith in C.S. Lewis so much that I don't even know if I want to go back to that hideous strength or some of the things that I've enjoyed. That's not true. There's lots of C.S. Lewis that I have enjoyed and will continue to enjoy. But I will say that that book still shakes my faith in the idea of C.S. Lewis as a Christian, which is... I I think that... I said that it's hard to see him as anything more than, a, I think, mystical pagan is how I put it. Mm-hmm. I think that's still true. I think I stand by that. The The thing that I would say about his value, I think the best way maybe to think about him is as an anti-modernist. And insofar as he's an amazingly helpful anti-modernist. Who he's shakes, great. Yeah, he's amazing. That's yep. really why you read C.S. Lewis in the first place. But if you know that's why you read him, not because he's a great Christian or a great Christian thinker, but a, a really great anti-modernist, yes. then that I think that helps. I can understand by that. I think what I would say is that kind of a nuance on that as a literary thinker, as someone of, who analyzes literature and writes really well about books, mm. he's really helpful too, which is kind of, he's anti-modernist even in the way that he looks at books. And so, yeah, that's very helpful. I would not say don't read Lewis. I would say if you're 
someone who's really into books, literature, fiction. He's actually really useful, so don't avoid him there. But if you're the kind of person who's going to feed at his trough thinking you're going to get little religious value out of it, then you're being stupid. Yeah. And yeah, that's the danger right. with Lewis, is everybody thinks that's where he's helpful. I'll still read The Chronicles of Narnia to my kids. I'm not going to stop reading those. Right. Yeah. Just like I read, it's going to shock everybody after some of the stuff I've said lately. Mm-hmm. I read regularly A.A. A. Milne's poetry to my kids. A.A. A. Milne's <gasps> poetry. Oh, no. no. I think A.A. A. Milne's poetry is really, oh, really no. good. Yeah, we read one of his poems and cried. Yeah, and I read his poetry to my kids a lot. And so... Well, I have to admit, I mean, I'll, I'll go one step further. I There's a lot of good stuff in like Mere Christianity. I remember reading that at a certain point in my life and it being kind of, I don't want to say formative, but when he's just being practical, when he's examining himself, when he's examining human nature, like like a lot of what Screw Tape Letter does, there's yeah. no, there's nobody better. He's not a good theologian, and he when he begins to get mystical, when he begins to look heavenward, he's can be really bad, awful, wicked, even. But when he just looks inside, I think he can be great. I mean, oh, he yeah. he was a good student of human nature. He was a good student of himself and his own feelings and thoughts. And he'll just say this stuff that is so simple. I mean, in those in that sense. I think he did kind of build on G.K. Chesterton's legacy, as he'd be, he'd be the first to admit he wanted to. So, like, the sections in Mere Christianity on sex, on practical morality, some of that stuff's really good. But then anytime he just he wants to actually talk about things that are yeah. divine, he can be so... Heretical. Just wicked. Yeah. Yeah. So... And you just have to be discerning and realistic with any author you approach. Right. If you have any... If you see any culture or any body, even yourself, making somebody into an idol, then question why that person's being made into an idol. And that was my biggest reaction against a lot of the people that we've come across where I've been hard on them, Mm -hmm. is I see people turning these guys into idols. And so... Maybe I'm a bit of an iconoclast. Mm. I'll go against that. Well, certainly. Whatever. Insofar as we consigned, we literally decided to consign uh, A.A. Milne to the eighth level of hell, I believe. And <laughs> seven. Couple episodes seven. Seven. There's only seven. There's only seven. Okay, I'm sorry. I don't, I don't no, remember. No, nine. The, Ninth level, of course. Yeah, then I, I don't know. It's been what a while since I've read the Inferno. Daunted. Nine levels of hell. He's right, down uh, there at the bottom. Right, yeah. Insofar as we decided, it's, it's not because we really hate A.A. Milne so much. It's because some people really worship A.A. Milne, and we find that to be... Uh, we like to poke the... <laughs> The dying animal. Yeah. <laughs> See what's going to happen. Yeah, yeah. Well, anything else anybody wants to say about C.S. If people's going to read one C.S. Lewis book, because I don't know when we'll ever come back to him. If we do come back to him on the book thing, it's going to be a few years, Jake. If they're going to read one C.S. Lewis book, what should it be and why? That hideous strength, just the same. It's either that or abolition of man or preface the paradise lost, right? As I asked the question, I felt like I was being unfair because you're going to have to choose between fiction and nonfiction. Right. And maybe, okay, I'll be, I'll be less unfair one fiction and one nonfiction. The fiction i'm gonna stick with that hideous strength because mm-hmm. it's lewis at his best right anti-modernist picking apart and showing you what's going on uh, in the culture type stuff and is really helpful mm-hmm. easy to enter into and to see and to read you, you know what's going on so that'd be the my fiction pick my non-fiction pick <laughs> I'll just take the flip side of it and go with Abolition of Man. Yeah, well, if you want to say that C.S. Lewis is the best when he's talking, when he's fighting modernism, then there's your one-two punch. Yep. Yeah, and and then there's the the third option, which is what Brandon was talking about as a literature guy, and that's Preface to Paradise Lost. But Those um, would be, I don't know. Those would be the three that I would save. Yeah. Yeah, I I'm mean, I'm, yeah, if you're going to throw, throw Lewis in a time capsule and you've got space for three. That, I gives think, you the, that gives you the best of what he could do. I'd love to switch it up and add something or subtract something, but those are those would be my three too. I think you know, 
if I could only choose one of those, I think Abolition of Man, actually. I love Abolition of Man's just a wonderful essay. It's so well written. It's such a beautiful piece of work. The aesthetic, the aesthete in me loves that essay as much as the person that wants to think about things. I love it the way I love his fiction. It's just a really masterfully crafted little essay. That's right. Still have a soft spot. If we could have a fourth spot in the uh, time capsule to throw a Narnia book in there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Just the complete Lion, Chronicles. the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Or... Yeah, yeah. If you could only choose one Narnia book, would it be The Lion, the W, and the W? It would it'd have to be. I think it would be The Magician's Nephew for me, maybe, or The Horse and His Boy. I remember liking those best when I was a kid. I actually haven't gone back to Narnia since as an adult, so I don't know. My favorite was always The Magician's Nephew. I just think if it's only going to be one, it's got to be The Lion, the it's Witch, and the Wardrobe. It's the one that the history one. loves the best. Yep. It's so. in it's the first one. It's yeah. the one that establishes the... That's right. And it's got a lot of the magic. Right. And if you were going to throw one of his popular kind of books in, in, since we haven't done that, I think of all his kind of the greatest hits, Screwtape Letters is probably, oh, yeah. probably the best. Yeah. Yeah. Screwtape's Letters is good. If That's you got really to choose good. between like Mere Christianity, Screwtape, pain, Problem of Pain, all that kind of loves, stuff. Four Loves, Great Divorce. Great Divorce can go in like the anti-time capsule. <laughs> the What's the opposite of a time capsule? It's... it's People love it. I know people love it. I know people that listen to this podcast love The Great Divorce. And I'm sorry, guys. Why? The Great Divorce is stupid. We can, uh, we we all feel the same about that book. We just I don't. Like I it. really don't like that book. I never. I like the grass. I, I, I don't think I've ever talked to anybody. You like the gra- grass hurting their feet? Yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. That's that's, that's, that's the that's coolest nice. thing about yeah. the book. <laughs> I did not like that book at all. A- everything. I else. remember it had a resurgence. Or it seemed to me to have a resurgence in popularity. Yeah, well, it's kind of like how... Back like when I was in college and... Well, you know what it is. What? Certain reason people like this book so much is because it fits in with their educational value. Yeah. So a lot of the people who are with the classical movement, they are they like the fact it makes them feel really good about themselves, that they can tie in this book with Plato's Cave. Mm-hmm. Plato's forms, and so the grass hurts your feet. Well, the grass hurts your feet because the grass is real. The grass is platonic idea. Yeah, it's the the platonic form Mm. of grass. And then, well, in the cave, you know, you haven't been pulled up to the light yet, and so then they can use that to say, "I've read Plato. I can use this book to talk about these things." And so, all right, so it's a fine teaching tool for teaching. Well, self-serving. That's all it is. But but if you read the back of the book, it doesn't say you can understand Plato better. It says you can understand heaven heaven and hell better. Well. I, I'm willing to concede that it's a fine teaching tool for talking about Plato. Yeah. I just don't want to concede that it's an actual good book. Well, I guess my point would be that there are better teaching tools for teaching Plato, such as just reading Plato. Right. And, <laughs> and, um, <laughs> so, <laughs> well, there's that. <laughs> I feel like the reason people like this is an even more childish thing to accuse people of, but I just feel like it's kind of that syndrome where. We all, everybody grew up loving Raiders of the Lost Ark and The Last Crusade. So here comes Mr. Hipster and his favorite Indiana Jones Temple movie. Of Doom, Temple baby. of Doom. <laughs> <laughs> you know? No. No. <laughs> Temple of Doom. It's sucks. horrible. Oh, no, boy. <laughs> I have to admit, Mr. I Mr. Jones, <laughs> Mr. Jones, Doctor Jones, Doctor Jones. <laughs> I mean, I, I just kind of feels like that. Like, I'll see, I'll see your screw tape and raise you great. No, screw tape's awesome. It's a great book. Mere Christianity has its great sections. The C.S. Lewis that everybody loves is the best. You know, Sergeant Pepper's is good. Abbey Road is good. Let it be is not as good. Not even in its naked form. Sorry, hipsters. <laughs> <laughs> You know, (laughs) 
I have tons of Beatles stuff, and I had to go out and buy Let It Be Naked because mm. somebody was telling me it was the best thing ever. <laughs> it's not the best thing ever. It's not the best thing ever. <laughs> no. So what have we learned? Shadowlands, people should watch. Yes. Let It Be is okay. Let It Be is better than Let It Be Naked. I, Take that. I'm going to agree with you on that. Yeah. Give me those production values. Yeah, you want to listen to stripped down, acoustic, whatever. There's lots of it out there. It's great. It's fine. Let it be. <laughs> let let it be. Let it be, folks. The Indiana Jones movies, the best is Raiders of the Lost Ark. There's just no question about that at all. But nope. the most fun for a kid is Last Crusade. Oh, yeah. I love it. Last Crusade, I far and away. Both love great movies. The best, yeah. And if you watch Temple of Doom, then, well, you chose poorly. Let's just... <laughs> uh, um, or if you watch that other one, the one with Shayla. Crystal the Skull. Yeah. The Last Crusade does everything with the father and son relationships that Star Wars wishes it could have done. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and it chucks that woman right into the pit. That's right. <laughs> Where Star Wars should, was, should have done. Dad with. and son forever riding off into the sun. <laughs> That's sunrise. right. The patriarchy. <laughs> <laughs> or The Lookening today was written and produced by Nathan Alberson uh, with some fine performances by the great Brandon Chastain. You're a little bit like Anthony Hopkins in that movie, actually. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> I actually, as I was watching, I was like, you know, Brandon's a little bit like this guy. He's really cool. He's a good teacher. He can, you know, that there's always a lot going on underneath that you don't, you don't always see. You know, he can be. He's a very polite gentleman. He's got that sort of Texas charm, which is a little bit like British charm in its way. You know. Huh. <laughs> After everything we've said about C.S. Lewis, <laughs> his theology is completely off base. That's right. He may not be. A Christian, <laughs> I do believe but, in blood sacrifice. Blood sacrifice. <laughs> it's best when he's talking about literature. Yeah. <laughs> you just take him there and leave him everywhere else. Yeah. That'd be hey, best. It sounds just like me. <laughs> no, no, no. You're a much better man than C.S. Lewis. I'd ever dream of being Brandon Chastain. <laughs> Thank you, Nathan. You're welcome. And Jake, you're a much better man than A.A. Milne could ever dream of being. <laughs> <laughs> One can only hope. <laughs> yeah, yeah, people. Uh, I'm going to say you can go to booking I always get it wrong. What is it? Patreon.com forward slash the booking. Patreon.com forward slash the booking. You can sign up to support us. Uh, what I'd really like to re- request, if you want to do something nice for us for free, I'd love to just see some more five-star reviews on iTunes. It'd be really cool. So uh, if you haven't done that yet, just uh, get on your smartphone. Yeah, I know. Maybe you got an Android. Maybe you listen on Podbean or Android or Stitcher. Well, you can leave a nice review there too. I think we've only got one review on Stitcher right now. So get on Stitcher, re- leave a review. But definitely uh, the iTunes would be nice to have some more reviews so if you just want to do something nice for free for us your 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 old booking pals for brandon chastine for jake menzel or nathan alberson your your friends here at the booking that might be a good thing hey eh, brandon that would be great all right well guys mansfield park next week my one of my favorite authors oh yeah jane austen you excited you let's do it all right see you guys next week for the month of love Ooh. <laughs>